invite you to stand together as we look at God's Word for today, taken from Psalm 127, verses, verse 1. Would you join with me as we read together? Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. I invite you to take that outline in hand uh, as we look at God's Word together. Uh, particularly today, I think it will be helpful as there are several things for us to jot down as we reflect on God's Word today. What if we were to take a hidden camera, mount it somewhere in your house without you knowing, in order to monitor the activities of your family and observe conversations that happen. What would 24-7 surveillance reveal about what goes on in your house? Don't worry. We don't have any intention of, of doing that. But really, we don't have to. You see, it doesn't take a hidden camera to tell us what we already know about the family, yours included. To tell us what we know, and that is that there's no such thing as a perfect family. And the truth of the matter is that for most families, Most families are a mixture of speaking with one another and not speaking to one another. Whispering and shouting. Kindness and meanness. Knocking on doors and slamming of doors. Now your family may be more or less of the good or the bad, but there's probably something about every family, including yours and mine, that could be better. I like the story of the the teacher who was having difficulty with one of her little students and she invited the parents to come in and and the teacher said, Mr. and Ms. Jones, if you promise not to believe everything your daughter says goes on here at school, then I promise that I won't believe everything your daughter tells me goes on at home. For the last several Sundays, we have been peeking, if you will, figuratively into the, into the family, and we have been analyzing what are those things that are most needed in the family for it to be all that God intends it to be. And we've been looking at this from the general topic of family counseling without anybody knowing. You see, the truth of the matter is that a lot of us could benefit from, 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 from some good family therapy and counseling, but there's kinda, it's kind of awkward. We don't want to admit that we need that. And so 
we probably would never set foot in a therapist's office. So we decided to bring it into a church on Sunday morning. And that way, you can come, and nobody knows if you're here for the counseling or if you're here for the worship. Hopefully, you're here for both. Now, we've been looking at the things that could, could make the family all that God intends it to be. And, and so I want to just recap for just a minute what we've said over the last few weeks. And you've probably you've figured this out already, that in order to make these things easy to retain and remember, we've done them in alphabetical order. And so real quick, let's take a look at them. The first of all, we mentioned acceptance. This is a cruel world. This is a, this is a harsh world. Uh, people can be mean. Every human being longs to be accepted. And, and the place that we expect it more than any place else is to be in our family. And some of you may be saying, well, well, Stuart, I'm sorry. There are things that my son or my daughter are doing that I cannot accept. I understand that. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Acceptance means opening your heart to them and assigning value to them. And that's something they deserve. And then we talk about belonging. The family needs to be a place where we, we know that we belong to a group of other people beside, beside ourselves that, that we are a part of and our lives are joined together. Now, there's a lot of groups that can provide that, but nothing provides that bond of belonging like the family. And then caring. What we mean by caring is that we take an interest in each other's lives. Rather than living a self-absorbed, self-driven, isolated life, we actually ask people how their lives are going, and we we take an interest in in their life, and and we want to know. Unfortunately, too many of our homes are four or five people living under the same roof, but who basically are living self-absorbed, self-driven lives in which there's very little investment in the lives of the other people in that house. Caring. D, we talked about discipline. Parents who love their children enough not to simply let them do whatever they want to do as long as it's fun and everybody else is doing it, but who take the time to discipline them in the nurture and the wisdom of God. And we talked about encouragement. All of us long for encouragement. It is, it is the fuel of our soul. And we thrive off of it. We, we, we are desperate for it. And remember what we said about encouragement? The word itself is very insightful. When you encourage someone, you are assigning courage to them. When you discourage someone in your family, you are draining, you're sapping them of courage. Encouragement. If you hear that Sunday, you know that uh, when I first started that message, I went over to that keyboard right there, and I very clumsily played out chopsticks. Because that's all I can do over there on that piano. And I, and I said, I just wonder, because I had a lesson or two as a little boy, I just wonder what would have happened if I'd gotten some encouragement with my piano playing. Would it have made a difference? I thought it was ironic that two weeks later, after I, that, I, that I said that, Joseph Martin, the composer, was here. He goes over there and he sits at that keyboard and he makes that thing dance. And I thought at the time, now he, I know, I promise you, he had lots of encouragement. And it made the difference. And then we talked about, F yeah, forgiveness. Hey, listen, in a family, we live in close proximity to one another. It's inevitable that relationships are going to be strained. It's inevitable that relationships are going to be tested. There are going to be times where we're going to have to exercise forgiveness in the little stuff. 
the day-to-day stuff. But even more importantly, we, we said this. Sadly, some of the greatest pain that has ever been inflicted upon us, some of the deepest wounds we've ever felt have come from the hands of a family member. And we've carried that pain and that hurt around for decades. And yet, as followers of Jesus, we know that, that part of who we are, part of our spiritual DNA is to forgive. And we've got to find a way to do that. Very often, the difference between a family that is flourishing and a family that is falling apart is the presence or lack of forgiveness in that home. Now, that brings us this morning to the last piece of this family puzzle. And by now, you've probably figured out what it is. But before I mention that, I just want to say one thing that separates this last piece from all the others we've looked at. All these others... Affirming, belonging, caring, discipline, encouragement, forgiveness, all these others have to do with how we relate to each other. How we relate to each other. This last one causes calls us to do something more important. It calls us to look beyond each other and embrace something actually far more important. Because it's the means by which we are able to do all these others effectively. And that is God. God's the final piece of this family puzzle. You see, you can attempt all these things on your own, all these others, but you're likely to fall short. You will achieve them most effectively when God is at the center of family life. And that's what the psalmist said, and this is what the psalmist meant when he said, unless the Lord builds the house or the family, unless the Lord builds the house, what? They who build it labor in vain. If you want your family, you want your house to look like that list, You need to understand, that's not likely to happen unless God is at the center of the home because only God can build a house like that. Only God. So I have a question for us this morning. Is the Lord building your house? Are you letting... God build your house, meaning your family. Well, how, how will you know? There, there's some key indicators that I want you to think about. First of all, when the Lord builds the house, he uses his plans. His plans. Becky and I are building our retirement house up in Dahlonega right now, and, and there's a builder that, that we've hired to build that house. Now, even though the house is nowhere near completion, I already know what it's going to look like. I already know how many square foot footage are in the house. I already know where the various rooms are going to be located. Why? Because it's being built on the plans that I purchased. Now, 
the builder, I have every confidence, he is building that house by those plans. He's not designing our house as he goes. If he deviates from those plans, I'm going to be pretty upset, and it's not going to be the house that we decided to build. When God builds the house, it reflects his plan. Are you building on his plans? Are you worshiping together as a family? And is that, is that your highest priority? That's part of God's plan for the family. If you and your family, if you worship every so often because you, you think maybe that would be a good thing to do, but it's not a really central part of your life, it's not very likely that the Lord is building that house. Secular culture might be building that house. Secular values and, and it might be building that house. If that's where your time and attention are. But I've got to tell you, their plan is a far cry from God's plan. It's very different. I was visiting, I remember several years ago visiting in a neighborhood. I was going door to door, inviting people to be a part of a church plant that I was, that I was starting. And I never forget, I, I walked up to a house, and there was a boy about maybe 18 years of age playing in the front yard. And I said, uh, I introduced myself, and I said, are your mom and dad here? And he said, yeah. He said, just going in, knocking on the door. I said, okay. And then he, he turned to me, and he said, uh, hey, what are you? And I, I looked at him and said, well, I'm a preacher. He gave me this quizzical look, and he said this. He said, what's a preacher? He had no clue. Eighteen years of age, he probably never set foot in a house of worship. It's a strong indicator to me that it was very doubtful that the Lord was building that house. God's plans are that a husband and a wife love each other sacrificially. That a husband love his wife more than he loves himself. That a wife love her husband more than she loves herself. God's plan is that those two people remain faithful to one another and that together they commit themselves to loving God. God's plan is that that husband and that wife every day seek to outdo one another in showing kindness and respect and honor and love to the other. God's plan is that children obey their parents and parents love their children enough to teach them about God and faith and steer them in a relationship with Jesus Christ. God's plan is that parents model a life of prayer, a life of moral character and godliness. That's all God's plan. Is your house being built with his plans? Well, there's, a, there's another way you know when, when the Lord's building the house. When the Lord builds your house, he uses only the best materials. Only the best materials. Listen, I don't want my builder up in Delonica using inferior products. If he gets a deal on some inferior lumber, 
that's going to fall apart, I don't want him using it. If he comes to me and says, Stuart, listen, I got some rotting, decaying flooring uh, that we can use, save a couple thousand dollars if we just put that in I'm not. I'm going to say no. I don't want some shoddy, decaying material building my house. If that happens, the integrity of my house, the strength of my house is going to be compromised. When the Lord builds a house, He uses only the best materials, and it shows. A lot of homes today, a lot of houses built with these materials, built with dishonesty, deception, lies, infidelity, anger, hatefulness. You won't find those in a house being built by God. He only uses good materials. The house that the Lord builds is built on honesty and truthfulness and kindness and compassion, love and forgiveness. Family life in a house that the Lord builds isn't going to be characterized by filth and immorality, but it's going to be filled with purity and godliness and goodness. Marriage in that house is not going to be built on shallow, fragile commitment of two people to one another, but on a solid, uncompromising vow of devotion to one another. Children in that home don't learn their values from the filth flowing from the Internet or from television, but by constantly encountering the truth and the wisdom of God's Word. Listen, God does not use rotten, weakened, decaying material. He uses only the best is the Lord building your house? And then you'll know this. You'll know by this. You'll know, the, you'll know the Lord is building the house when the people who live in that house reflect His nature. And the people who live in that house are becoming more loving, becoming more caring, becoming more like Christ. You see, when the Lord builds the house... The Spirit of God is imparted into the hearts and the lives of the people who live there. And the Spirit of God begins to transform that life, making that person different, making that person more like the person God created them to be. And it's a sign that the house is being built by the Lord when the people who live there reflect his nature. If 20 years ago I was hateful and rude to my wife and 20 years later I'm still hateful and rude to my life to my wife, let me tell you, God is not building that house. If 20 years ago I was selfish and didn't take any interest in the lives of my children, and if 20 years later I'm still the same and could care less about anybody but me, God's not the one building that house. Because if he were, my heart would have changed as his spirit molds and shapes me. And so the best way to know 
If it's the Lord that's building your house, is to look at you. Is there evidence of God's love in you? Is there evidence of God's forgiving spirit in you? Is there evidence of godliness and holiness of heart and character and morality in you? Do you know and love and worship God today above everything or anything else? Everybody else in your house will have to answer that question for themselves. But you have to ask it of yourself. Do you reflect in increasing ways the nature of God? Is God molding and shaping your life? to be more loving than you are, more caring than you currently are, more forgiving than you currently are? Are you moving on, as Wesley would say, to that life of holiness to which all of us who know Christ are being called? Is the Lord building your house? Who of us would not want a family from top to bottom known for these components? It's possible. It's attainable. But only when God is at the heart of family life. Because it is that relationship more than any other that gives us the capacity to do any of these others as effectively as they need to be. In just a minute, as we wrap up, I want to give us an invitation. I want to give us an opportunity to maybe take some measures, take a step toward, toward our family moving, inching a little bit closer to what God wants it to be. Maybe as we've looked at this list over the last few weeks or even today, maybe, maybe somehow the Lord has convicted us and we've come to recognize something about this that speaks to our heart. Maybe we thought, you know what, I, 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 I'm not as accepting of a certain family member as I need to be. I've got to confess that. I'm not as caring as I need to be. I kind of live an isolated, self-centered life. And yeah, I I know I live in the same house with these people, but do I really care deeply about them? No, I could probably care a whole lot better. I realize I'm not the encourager that I need to be. I've been holding on to a spirit of unforgiveness. There's so much about me that, boy, this speaks to me. Here's Here's the invitation. As we sing our closing hymn in just a moment, I want to ask that uh, if, if you feel the prompting of the Spirit to do so, that we, we come to this altar and we just deal before God, and, and we do two things. First of all, we confess to God. Don't confess to some generic confession. 
confession. Confess which of these or, or all of these, whichever of these that, that you recognize you have not done what you needed to do. And own that and, 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 and embrace that. But not only confess it and own it, but ask God to give you the strength and the capacity in his spirit to do better, to do what he wants you to do, to bring about greater healing and wholeness in your home. If we'll do that, I'm convinced that, as as David reminded us a little while ago, there's power in that. And God can take that simple gesture of, of confession an invitation into, into your life. He can take that and he can use that to start a movement in your life and in your family that's been desperately, desperately needed. So I want you to be thinking about what that might be for you. Which of these needs the greatest work in your family, but more particularly in your heart? Let's pray together. Oh God, we might have many concerns in our world, in our life. Friends, work, recreation, money, all sorts of things pulling at us. Nothing, aside from our walk with you, nothing is of greater importance than our relationship as a family. So, Father, I just pray that you'll begin the healing of some families this morning that are experiencing brokenness, that are experiencing pain, that currently don't show evidence that you are the one building that house. Oh, God, as we come this morning, we pray for forgiveness, we pray for empowerment that your will be done in our life and in the life collectively of our home. And it's in the name and spirit of Christ that we pray. Amen.